This episode of Kitchen Table Theology is brought to you by Jeff Cranston's new book, Your Greatest Adventure. When someone places their faith in Jesus Christ, it is the greatest, wisest, and best decision of their life and will pay dividends for all eternity. What happens after that decision has been made? Discover the answers to that question in Your Greatest Adventure. Learn more at jeffcranston.com. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton. Along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're systematically discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding what too many of us might believe to be out-of-reach theological topics. Lately, we've been diving into the doctrine of the person of God. On today's podcast, we'll keep that going as we talk and learn about God's justice. Oh, justice. (laughs) Pastor Jeff, as a mom, I have too often found myself refereeing issues of justice between (laughs) our children. And those times when Fred and I find ourselves acting as end-all, be-all, judge and jury, they are almost always preceded by this statement. But it's not fair. And it's always whiny like that, too. But it's not fair. Yeah, and... They stamp their feet, they fold their arms, they rush out of the room. Doors are slammed. Yeah. (laughs) Children prove to us, I think, that even when we are young, uh, we can sense when something is unfair, especially if it relates to us, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he got more time on the swing than I did, or uh, she got the larger half of the cookie, that kind of stuff. In prepping for this podcast, I asked my kids, hey, what's the fight that you remember the most? And they both had the same answer, that there was one kitchen stool that had a (laughs) nick in it and the other one didn't. And they always wanted the one that didn't have the little nick in it. And so they would fight to run to who got to sit on the stool. Then you're having a pretty good life if that's the biggest disagreement in the the house. (laughs) Uh, You know, fortunately or unfortunately, this sense of unfairness carries over into adulthood. I mean, we just never outgrow it. Maybe, maybe we learn not to throw tantrums, but uh, we don't really grow out of of the desire for everything to be fair. Oh, goodness. And as an educator, I could never get out of this. Mm -hmm. I'd leave the house and go from the fire into the firing (laughs) pan, so to speak, because it was always something from my students. She got the same grade, but I know that I worked harder. That's why group projects are such a struggle. (laughs) He left class early, and I have to stay. Goodness. You know, I I get angry just hearing those scenarios because I was always (laughs) the one who got the lesser grade. I was always the one who had to stay behind. In class longer, I remember, you know, and back when I went to school, you got in trouble. You had to stay afterwards and clap the erasers, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, because they used chalk. And that's gone the way of the dodo bird, I I, I guess. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, in a sense, I think when we respond like this in our human nature, it's understandable, right? I think as humans, we just have this innate Mm -hmm. desire for justice. I think absolutely we we certainly do. Justice is really really important to us. Let me let me give you an example of that. Here in South Carolina, June the 17th, mm-hmm. 2015, a white supremacist whose name I'm not going to mention killed nine people during a Bible study or right after, you know, the Bible mm-hmm. study ended at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church known as Mother Emmanuel Church. In Charleston, which is just a couple hours north of where we live, all those dear people he murdered were African Americans, including the senior pastor 
who was also serving as a South Carolina state senator, Clementa Pinckney. Now, Reverend Pinckney previously pastored right here where we Mm -hmm. live in Mm -hmm. Bluffton, South Carolina. And it was an absolutely shocking, horribly horrific crime. It made international news. But let's just take that and let's just suppose, let's just suppose uh, for illustrative purposes that after the 33 counts which were brought against him, those criminal counts, including hate crimes, let's suppose after those 33 counts were brought, were prosecuted, at the end of the trial, the judge said, look, and, and said to him, I, I, see, I know what you've done. I see what you've done. I've heard the testimonies. You murdered innocent people in cold blood after sitting through a Bible study with them. Let's just suppose the judge then said, but I think you've learned your lesson. Mm. Let's suppose the judge banged the gavel, not guilty, case dismissed. Now, what emotions rise in our hearts just considering that kind of fanciful scenario? Mm. And thankfully, it's a fanciful Mm -hmm. scenario. Well, the, the emotions that we feel, one of them probably that bubbles to the top is outrage. And what are we outraged at? It, we're outraged because it's an injustice. Mm. So we know the verdict is not just, and it feels in, intolerable to us. Evil requires an equivalent punishment. In, in reality, six months after committing those crimes, that young man was sentenced to death, and he sits on death row in South Carolina mm. today. So to answer your question, Jen, do we have this innate desire for justice, I think the answer is an absolute unqualified yes. And we inherited that sense of justice from our Creator because He is just. Mm-hmm. Well, we said we were going to dive in, and that we that are. So yeah. <laughs> that brings us to today's topic, the justice of God. How is this topic defined for us in basic terms? What does it mean when we say that God is a just God? I think it's good to know that in the Bible, justice and righteousness are almost always used interchangeably. So uh, keep that in mind as we go through this. Uh, let's start with a definition of this attribute of God, justice. It's, it's, it's really a kind of a two-part definition. So God's justice or God's righteousness, here's the first part, means that God always acts in accordance with what is just or right. The second part of that definition is this. God's justice, uh, we, we know it because he is the only and final standard of what is right and just. And so you've got to have that second part because if, if the definition of righteousness or justice means God always acts in accordance with just or right, the first question out of the gate is, well, how do we know mm-hmm. what is right? How mm-hmm. do we know what is just? Well, we know it. Because him, he himself is the only and final standard of what is right or just. So, again, we should note in both the Old and the New Testaments, there's only one root word used for both justice and righteousness. There's one Hebrew root word. There's one Greek root word. Mm. And though that lends itself to other words, but they all come back to mean just or right. And so the words really are interchangeable. And the Scriptures are full of testimony to the righteousness, the justice of God's character. And I'll read just a few of these verses for us today. The first one is from Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 4. 
For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. Shall not the judge of the earth do right or deal justly? That comes from Genesis 18, 25. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart, Psalm nineteen eight, And I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right, Isaiah 45, 19. The Bible's teaching is that whatever conforms to God's character, whatever he does, is right and, and just. So kitchen table theologians, please lean in on this one a little bit and, and catch this. God does not do that which is right or just. Now, just hold on before you accuse me of heresy. <laughs> God, God does not do that which is right or just. Whatever God does is right and just. You, you see the difference, mm. the nuance there. He doesn't do just right and just stuff. Whatever he does is right and just. So he and his actions define righteousness and justice. And that's why it's part of this Attributes of God Mm -hmm. series. You know, sometimes I think that's a concept that's super hard for us to grasp because, in fact, this very issue is one of the things that caused many people to have problems with biblical doctrines that they think are not fair or not right. You know, do you think sometimes we sort of have this grid in our minds of what's fair, this box of sorts that we force God and his character into? Yeah, I think we do. Uh, you know, anything that doesn't fit our standard cannot be right or just, you know. And I find it almost humorous, if it wasn't so terrible, that the created us, we we want to put our sense of righteousness and justice on God. The only sense of righteousness or justice we have mm-hmm. comes from Him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but when we do that, we, we, we should note here that our, our thoughts, our minds— do not define the terms of what is just and what is right. God does. So to help us understand this, something should be considered as considered as right or just because of what it is or because of who ordains it. For example, Moses did not write the Ten Commandments, and then God conformed to them. God wrote them, and he demanded that we conform to them. Mm. And, you know, if something God does is right, it's also just. So, Jen, the Bible says uh, in Psalm 37, the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. You know, and don't we like, you know, in our, maybe it's in our (laughs) carnality, don't we like that verse, the arms of the wicked shall be broken? But the Lord upholds the righteous. I mean, we we like that person's going to get what's <laughs> yeah, coming. Exactly to him. <laughs> right. You know that one day all those who have denied God and His goodness and they've been terrible, horrible people by living lives full of evil, one day they're going to have to pay. And those who did the right things will be vindicated and justified. And those who have cheated will receive their due punishment, uh, despite being able to gain all the wealth and success and power here on earth. We do like that, don't we? And we also like to compare where we are on that grid. Well, we're of, always a little further ahead right, than everybody well, lo- else. Isn't that the whole point? As long as I'm a little bit better than that guy. That's right. Oh, gosh. Well, there are tons of YouTube videos I out there. These. I love those. Things. Under the heading of police karma yeah. or 
basically you're about to get what's coming to you where motorists are caught in the act of driving crazy. They're breaking the speed limit. They're right flying right in the face of the laws. They do it and it's captured on camera and immediately the blue lights come on. They're pulled over and sometimes inwardly and oftentimes outwardly we all, yes, that it's coming. <laughs> You know, how many times have you been driving? It happened to me twice last week. Mm. Somebody's just gone crazy on the road, and you're looking around and go, where? If I were only a police officer right now, man, mm-hmm. I would nail this guy. Or where? You know, one time I was I was out on one of our main thoroughfares, and this guy came by me. I'm not kidding you, at 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. The speed limit's 45. And I'm literally, I just started looking, please, and I, please let there be a policeman up there. Well, last last December, right before Christmas, I saw it happen, and it was awesome. And this guy blew <laughs> a friend of mine who's a police officer. He was in an unmarked vehicle, and he mm. was behind me on one of the bridges. And this guy got right up behind him and tailgated, was tailgating mm. him. And I could see it in my rearview mirror, and I'm watching this. This is going to be awesome. And If your hands weren't on the wheel, your fingers oh, would be tapping together. Tapping, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. And I could see it coming, you know. It was, it was awesome. And the guy then started flashing his lights to my police officer mm. friend, like, move over. No. So as soon as we – and, of course, the police officer guy, he just slowed down just to tick the guy mm-hmm. off. He, We get over the bridge. We get back on land. Police officer friend moves over, and this guy blows by him, you know, with some sign language, I think. Uh. Blows by me, and I saw my our friend – Pull out behind me, blue lights come on, <laughs> and I'm literally like, yes, <laughs> yes, it finally happened. I mean, the sense of justice was so sweet, and it it was like a week before Christmas. Oh, fa la 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 la. <laughs> and I texted him later that day. I said, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> and all I got back was a text this. It said, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> You know, we, we want people to oh, get what gosh. they have coming, but here's the problem. We don't want the same standards applied to ourselves. You know, in other words, my sense of justice applies 100% towards you, Jen, Oh, but I don't want that mm-hmm. same standard applied to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, as we start to pull all this together today, I know that theologians categorize God's justice into four different categories. So how about you share those briefly with us? Yeah, I don't know if I can do it briefly, uh, but I'm going to try really hard. They, they, this comes with a um, slight a little warning here. We're entering into big word territory again, mm. and we're, we've even um, taken some of the big words out. Thanks, but Pastor we, we'll, Jeff. we'll try to put the theological <laughs> cookies on the bottom shelf. So theologians categorize God's righteousness, God's justice, into four broad categories, and they all begin with the letter R. First of all, there's God's ruling righteousness. They also call it rectoral, but we're calling it ruling. That's this kind of justice. So God demands or requires from all of us and is ruling over us. This, this is just what God demands, his ruling righteousness. This is perhaps what we normally think of when we talk about God's justice. And it has to do with the imposition of laws and standards that God is not only righteous in himself, uh, he requires the same of all his creatures. The second one, um, so you got God's ruling justice. The Mm -hmm. second one is his retributive justice. 
retributive, or you've heard maybe the word retribution. Mm. So that has that idea. This is the aspect of God which punishes all unrighteousness in his creatures involving penalties or judgment for failure to conform with what his standards are. And it has to do this retributive righteousness with the infliction of penalties for failure to conform. Just like the guy was speeding, tailgating, there were penalties, inf- there were expensive penalties inflicted mm-hmm. on that guy uh, for failure to conform to the law. Well, that's retributive righteousness. And that's where you get verses like, vengeance is mine, I will repay, out of Romans 12. Paul told the Thessalonians, after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Mm. So then there's, so we, we've got those. So you've got ruling righteousness, retributive righteousness, and I think that's where a lot of us camp out, this idea of God with a gavel that yeah, comes down. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. you're right. There's like, here's the standard, you fail to meet it, and then here's the standard, because you fail to meet it, you're going to be penalized for it. Mm-hmm. You know, but you, there's more. The, there, there is. And and that's kind of, th- this is this is good. This is, uh, uh, and we should be glad there's more. Because then the third one is called God's remunerative righteousness or justice, remunerative. And that's the aspect of his nature by which God rewards his creation for the righteousness which they have done. Now, I can maybe perhaps illustrate this better than I can explain it. Christmas at our house always is, has always been a very happy time. And like most families, there's a tree. Now, we have two. We have a big, (laughs) regular Christmas tree, and then we have a slightly smaller Clemson Christmas tree. So it's slightly smaller. Well, yeah, it is slightly, (laughs) but it's only Clemson stuff. But like, you know, like everywhere around the world, gifts are given, gifts are received, there's great food, the family gets together, the whole hallmark thing. So many Christmases when our daughters were young, we'd be opening our presents. And one of the girls, or sometimes all the girls, just couldn't wait for me to open, let's say, their gift to me. You know, I, I would wait until I thought I, I would find out which one it was, and then I wouldn't open it. I would just delay it, you know, just <laughs> to have some fun. And she would look like she might burst. And then, you know, I'd pick up the package and it would say to Daddy from Tiff or Lauren or Emily. And I would take my time and I'd shake it and I'd try to guess is it a car? Is it a new truck? <laughs> no, no. Is it a boat? No. And, it, you know, just driving them nuts. Just open it, Dad. Open it. Okay. And I'd open the gift, and there might be socks or a shirt or a book. And I would, I'd give them a big kiss and a hug, look them in their eyes, thank them for this great gift. And I would tell them, in terms they could understand depending on their ages, how, how good it, it, it is to have such a, a wonderful, a generous daughter. Well, this is when they're little. So question, mm-hmm. who do you think paid for my present? I know who paid for the yeah. present. <laughs> Where did she get the money when they're little? You know, it's curious, isn't it? I was there. There I was rewarding her for the things my own money had purchased, mm. and in a way, that's how much God has promised to reward us for the very thing that He purchased and freely provided. Mm. So it's no wonder we find the twenty-four elders in heaven removing their crowns, throwing them back at Jesus' feet. In Revelation four, you know, they're just saying over and over, "You are worthy. You are worthy." And and no wonder the prophet Micah he he asked God who is a God like you I mean we it's just amazing mm-hmm. what what we have comes from him and that's remunerative 
justice. And finally, the fourth category is referred to as his redemptive justice. And that's the aspect of his nature by which he both punishes the unrighteous and then he rewards them for righteousness that is not their own. So, mm. the, you know, for us, the, the punishment for sin is death and hell. But because of his redemptive righteousness, God has given us all we need for light and life and salvation. Mm. So redemptive justice is God's honoring of what he has done for us and bringing us to, to trust in, in Christ. Uh, for example... And we'll wrap this up. Let's take a person who's not a Christian. Let's say this is a woman, and she is listening to the gospel. She's hearing the gospel of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is working in her. And he, in his grace, brings her to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, brings her to life so that she exercises faith. She opens her heart. Um, she, she gives full attendance to the things spoken of by the preacher or whoever shared the gospel with her. She comes to Christ. She is born again. She's given new life. And one of the things that happens to her is in that moment she is justified. God has declared her righteousness. So remember, the righteousness of God is that righteousness which his righteousness requires him to require. Now, let me do it again. Mm -hmm. The righteousness of God is that righteousness which his righteousness requires him to require of, of really of us. And when we believe in Christ, that is imputed to us, mm -hmm. reckoned to us, so that the moment an individual has their heart open to respond to the things spoken by the proclaimer of the gospel, at that moment, that individual is born again and given new life. So that, in our example, our, our lady friend there, she's justified. She's declared righteous before God. That's redemptive justice. And it's that last one that sort of strikes to the heart of all that feel to be fair and just, doesn't it? You know, mm -hmm. the last category of God's righteousness, his redemptive righteousness. It seems difficult to understand, if not impossible, really. If I catch that last one correctly, that means that God is both just and the justifier of the unrighteous. That's exactly right. And apart from God's Spirit, we... We can't understand it. So maybe if I can quickly illustrate it with go, go back to the parent-child relationship, maybe that, that can help us. So suppose a father had an only son, and the son was totally obedient. I mean, can you imagine? Totally obedient. Oh, just like mine. Yeah, respectful. <laughs> a perfect son in every way. And what if that father took that son, who had never done anything wrong against his father or anyone else, and put him on trial for a crime he did not commit, punished him for offenses he didn't make, and then even cruelly put him to death in the most harsh way ever known, all the while knowing that his son was completely innocent. Mm. Would that be right? Is that just? And yet God has done exactly that with his own son, Jesus. Mm. And, and more, as the spiritual aspects and suffering of the atonement are much greater and harsher than the physical, you know, nothing has ever been more right or just. When you think of what God required of God, the Father requires of God, the Son, in terms of salvation, it's, it really seems unjust. But nothing has ever been more right or more just. Mm. And so now you've brought in that atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And 
as I consider that, you know, that all these worship songs come to memory as mm-hmm. I survey the wondrous cross. Mm-hmm. The cross begins to reshape our understanding of fairness and justice. Yep. When we understand who we are and really who we understand who God really is, the cross was an unfair exchange. Yeah. If we hold to our limited, can see somebody saying that God punished the wrong man and blessed the wrong people. That's exactly what's gone on there. But here's what we need to understand. In God's justice, someone had to pay for sin and evil, and it should have been you. It should have been me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It should have been all of us. But here's where the gospel rides in triumphantly. The gospel is completely dependent upon this unfair exchange. All of our sin exchanged for all of God's goodness. In in his love, God sent his son to provide us with the beauty of grace. Mm -hmm. We who rebelled against God are justified because of the only man who was completely obedient to God. We who should be punished for our sins are not only unpunished, but receive the gift of eternal life because Jesus, who never sinned, was brutally punished for us. You know, while the cross was just, it certainly wasn't fair. And it is that, again, as you said, that beautiful exchange, and it is the heart of what grace truly is. And that really is what God's justice includes. So Mm -hmm. what I want to encourage everyone who's listening is don't just limit your thinking of God's justice to here's the standard, I don't meet it, I'm going to be punished for it. That's Mm -hmm. kind of where we, that's sort of where we live. Mm -hmm. But don't forget about the remunerative don't be forget about the redemptive part mm. of God's justice because that is, I mean, that really, that's part and parcel of the justice of God. Absolutely. And I can't think of a better place for us to land today. So if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and head on over to iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening from and hit subscribe. Because every week, just like this week, we're putting additional resources up for your study and personal growth in God's Word. Subscribing makes sure that you won't miss a thing. If today's podcast has brought up a question or two, just shoot us an email to Pastor Jeff Cranston at lowcountrycc.org or watch Pastor Jeff's Instagram story at Pastor Jeff Cranston. Thanks so much, and we hope to see you again next time. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.